right, this is Stephen Gregory Smith with your Spooky Season Extra episodes. These are episodes that Matthew either probably A, wouldn't watch the movie, or B, was too busy to, and I wanted to get you lots of spooky content for your October. I'll be looking at films that uh, I recommend or I've recently seen. I know that everyone's making their spooky season lists, so I'm here to help you decide without watching the film if this is for you or maybe you want to skip it. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. For generations, people in Fairfax, Virginia have heard tales of the Bunny Man. Now, Bunny Man Brewing offers a tasty array of high quality microbrews with a rotation of unique flavors. Come by to have a sample, and maybe even catch a glimpse of the legendary hopper. But bring a friend, because you don't ever want to drink alone. Check our hours and see what's on tap at bunnymanbrewing.com. All right, tonight is 1985's Day of the Dead, directed by George A. Romero. Hey, bub. Hey, bub. Um, Ryan has been key in getting our 31 Days of Halloween film series going here as Matt has been in rehearsal and tech and everything for Monarch. Um, Ryan, where can people follow you if they want to, to get more of your takes on films? Sure, yeah. I'm on Letterboxd. Okay. Uh, Letterboxd is like a social media for, I think it started out for critics, but it's really for movie lovers. So if you give me a link, I can put that in the podcast notes so people could just click right sure, there. Sure, yeah. And I, I I go by Ryan the Dean. And it's it's a weird spelling of Letterboxd, isn't it? Yeah, there's no E. It's not an E-D. It's just D. It's Boxed. Yeah, right, Boxed. exactly. Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yeah, and it's a cool site. You guys should check it out. I mean, there's different levels. You can do it for free. I have a friend that does it for free, and, you know, I can see what he watches. We can, you I know, talk I about it. I think I signed up for one at one point, and I don't think I did anything with yeah. it. And it's good for me, since I do watch so many films, to be able to keep a diary of uh, of films. Of the dead. <laughs> diary of the dead. So, George Romero, big favor of mine. It's no uh, shock in this house, at least, if you know me. Um... This is not my favorite of the the original trilogy, um, but I've come to love it. I, I love all three of them on in different ways. Of course, I love Night of the Living Dead the most. It's my favorite film of all time. Dawn of the Dead, I've seen in increasingly repeated views over the past couple years. It's just so much fun. Uh, this one... I've also watched a lot more over the past couple of years. A lot of that is because of pandemic and everything. And, and it has a different, completely different uh, feel during that time too, Day of the Dead. All of the Romero films have an underlying kind of social message. So the first one is dealing with racism. Uh, the second one is ma materialism, I would say. Consumerism, yeah. And this one in the 80s is more like isolationism? Or is it some... Better I think it's a little bit of what was going on with Iran Contra. I think it's a little bit of the Cold War. I mean, what Miguel does, his name's Miguel, right? Yep. What he does, I mean, it's very, I don't know, like, I'm. I was trying to think of the politics of the time. Well, it's, you know, Reagan and, exactly. and all of that. I mean, I think it was a lot of those those different things. And I think his, his original script, which he didn't get to do, 
um, was uh, gigantic. Yeah, yeah. And, and really great. And he kind of did some of it in Land of the Dead when he got a little mm-hmm. bit more of a budget later on, uh, which is okay. It's not great. Um, but you really kind of wish that you could have seen his entire vision after you know reading that original script. And then there was a book that was post uh, published after he died. Was it Twilight of the Dead or something like that? It was a very long book that we read. Yeah, I can't remember what the it's name right it was. downstairs, yeah. and I could check it before we go. But um, you get a better sense of where he would have gone had he had the budget. And I know it's not all of his work. I think he partially wrote it out with a partner, and then the partner finished it um, with his wife's blessing. I have an interesting uh, relationship with. Romero really with uh, with horror films period uh, because I didn't start watching horror films till much later on in my life um, and uh, and uh, like after college um, I just didn't grow up in a household where horror was something that we were allowed to watch per se and I don't think I really had any kind of interest um, you know grew up in a religious household you know I did see The Exorcist, and that you know scared me as a child. And sure. I did see Night of the Living Dead, I think, at one point on TV. Um, but those were really my only horror. I never watched any of the Nightmare on Elm Streets or the the things were out during my time. Just never, never really watched. And I didn't watch a lot of contemporary horror in the eighties. I watched a lot of forties, fifties, sixties stuff that my dad liked. Um, it wasn't until I started taping things off the TV, you know, that my parents didn't know I was taping that I would watch later, like more contemporary stuff that was edited for TV. But your journey with like watching auteurs and stuff like right, that. Right, yeah, like uh, when I was living in LA after college, you know, going to school for theater and all that, I was into, I was into film, but I wasn't, I don't think I, you know, you're young, you, you know what you know. And as you get older, you start to learn more. Um, and really getting into the film art of things and, and like Romero and Carpenter. And I think the Academy needs to recognize horror more, specifically Mia Goth this last time. You mm-hmm. said, uh, I think Toni Collette was nominated. Uh, Sixth Sense, I know she was nominated for that as and well. Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, which I guess is kind of a horror oh, movie. Oh, it, it, it is. Yeah, I guess so. I there, I have a thing with like... It's so classy that thriller, it feels like it's not. Like mystery thriller versus horror or, you know, some things are like terror and not necessarily horror. I don't know what my idea of horror really is per se, but when I watch it, like Day of the Dead, 100% horror film. I mean, where they went with the makeup is just amazing. The kills in this are just crazy. I mean, the pulling a head off of roads. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all that is just fabulous. All that to say, this is another one not for kids. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I think a, a teenager maybe. The gore in this is pretty palpable. It is very palpable, and this is Greg Nicotera's, you know, first thing I think with uh, Savini. Mm-hmm. He even gets a little role in it. Who he directed thirty episodes of Walking Dead and did makeup on that and mm-hmm. uh, met. Robert Kirkman, mm-hmm. uh, who did Walking Dead back in what the late '80s or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but for Day of the Dead, I'm pretty sure this is one of the only films in which I can't stand any of the characters and disagree with every single one of them except for Bub. Mm-hmm. But still think this is a p- pretty damn great film. 
Lori Cardill plays the main, uh, the only female character. And a fun little tidbit there is that she's the daughter of Chili Billy Cardill, um, as he was known. He, he was a, I believe, reporter slash weatherman for WPXI News in Pittsburgh uh, for a long time. And he um, he's the one of the, the, the man on the ground interviewer, reporter um, in Night of the Living Dead. So his daughter is now the lead in this um he also hosted a thing called chiller theater on like friday or saturday nights i can't recall which in in pittsburgh, in pittsburgh um okay. that i used to watch and love um so that's why he's chilly billy because yeah and also i think the weather yeah. anyway um and so as going back to coming late to these films i didn't see dawn of the dead or day of the dead until much much later into my life yeah and had a huge appreciation for Dawn of the Dead. Everybody loved it. But I, when I watched Day of the Dead, I was like, this is a great movie. This is a really great movie. And I've watched it multiple times. And every time I watch it, it you know, gets better in my estimation. Um, again, because I don't like any of any... I, even the good guys, they're kind of nothing burgers. Um, and, and especially the military. I mean, that's a whole thing yeah. you know, they're discussing uh, you know, as far as... What the film is saying. I feel like her intentions are the best, um, but she's she's neither warm nor uh, you know enabled to really come up with a good idea. I definitely think this is Romero doing better with the female character, without a doubt. I mean, she's she doesn't trip and fall, right? She doesn't trip and fall like she you know she takes charge. She's she's the first one to pull out a gun if she needs to. Yeah. You know what I mean? She, it was his first strong female character in this. Uh, trilogy and I, I i get confused too because like dawn of the dead certain things happen when it comes to the zombies right and then it escalates and in the day of the dead like okay so for instance in dawn of the dead the guy that gets bit mm-hmm. uh it takes a really long time right for that to like take effect in that film but then like with this like they were immediately like we need to chop his arm off to try to see if we they could stop the infection. Right, but is it that quick? Is my, you know, is it is it because it's years later and the virus or whatever it is? I think they've learned and probably been successful. If you get the arm off, the extremity off quick enough, right? There's a chance you could save. I think that's mentioned. No, no, mm-hmm. it's not. Um, P.S. I did sneak downstairs during one of Ryan's uh, little paragraphs. To, to let you know that book that we were talking about is called Just Simply the Living Dead. Gotcha. It is a long read, but worth it. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really quick, too. And it's, you know, if you're like me and you're doing something and uh, you're, you're trying to read, but then you get interrupted and you have to go back and read it, there's really lots of good stopping points mm-hmm. within the book. Um, we both really enjoyed it. Um, we both read it around the same time. Um, yeah. Well, you read it and then you gave it to me to read, yeah. Yeah, and it good stuff. You really wanted to see it be filmed. I really do. I think something's going on with his son. I think his son is trying to do something. Anyway, back to Day of the Dead. Back to Day of the Dead. We it are, is the most '80s of '80s movies. We are in Florida, Florida, not in Pennsylvania for the first time. Although it was filmed mainly in Pennsylvania at a gypsum mine. Yeah, right? a storage place that houses. Yachts, government secrets, God knows what else. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're into zombie movies, you're going to watch this movie. You probably already have seen it. Uh-huh. But if you're not really into it or you're just starting to get into it, 
I mean, you have to start with Romero's Dead series. And Romero said of this film, he said, that I have three kinds of fans. The classic fans who say, oh, Night of the Living Dead is just the best. And he knows they've been with me from the beginning, but they're, they're classic. And he said, then the Dawn of the, Den, the Dead fans who are like, oh, these are the party animals. These are the fun people at the party. And he said, when people come to me and they lead with, I love Day of the Dead, I think, boy, you're a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it is grotesque. Well, it's... Not just grotesque. It's I think it's because all of the the characters you really do not like them. Like it's hard to watch a movie that you don't have any uh, from yourself to the character. You know, uh, it is kind of safe though because it's a zombie movie. You don't want to get too attached to anybody, right? This is true. This is true. But you know what I mean when a story, you know, one character you you maybe feel a little bit more that's like you. Your your window into the film, you know. Well, spoiler alert ahead, um, the three people that we follow that become our triumvirate of people who escape, uh, no one escaped the original Night of the Living Dead, two people escaped Dawn, three people escaped this. One with a bad Jamaican accent and a yep. bad Irish accent. Yes, and <laughs> drinking problems. And But I think there's a scene in the middle of the film where they're all at their little like Winnebago camper that they have made a backyard and whatever in the cave sure that you still hear like some zombie moans every once in a while from far off and i thought i don't know i don't know how comfy i would <laughs> well, be there. they have this whole space up top that they never use it's fenced in because they don't want to be seen i know i know but it's like what's funny about that is all the dead that were underground are now above, above. and all the living are in the dead space yeah that's true but in that scene when they're all together she says i i came here to get drunk and it's actually the most, um, she's dealing with a lot of different things. The lead of her science department, Dr. Frankenstein is what they call him. Logan is his character name, is losing his mind. Her boyfriend is losing his mind. There are no solutions from her department, the science, and the army is still asking, you know, when are we going to have results? The doctor's results are not the avenue that she's trying to go down. So she comes over to the the helicopter pilot and the um, the guy who does radio, radio transmissions yeah. and says she is going to get drunk. And she softens a bit. Not that a woman needs to be soft, but you kind of see a different side of her where the whole rest of the movie she is project managing and about to have a breakdown herself. Yeah. Um, and does, actually, at one point. And you get to see like who this real person might be beyond just being on the defensive all the time. And that scene, I think, is meant to endear us to those three because we're, they, we've got to half care about somebody. Oh, sure. But again, they're, it's just, I don't know, they're, they're, they're nothing uh, really to me. I don't have any emotion when I watch them. Like, I, I disagree with a lot of... I like the guy with the flask. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and that yeah. probably says a lot about <laughs> me. No, but I, I yeah. love his, like, look around, yeah. eat, like, what's, left and right and take a drink like no one can see him. <laughs> what's the Jamaican guy's named character name? I don't know names, and I, except of the bad guys, because they say them a lot. Yeah. Well, he, like, talking about the stuff that uh, is stored, What you said that's a real thing. What was it? He was looking at the book and saying... Of, a ledger of what's yeah. stored down in those caves, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it was all of this... this you know, important th these important government things. stuff, records of this, of health, of whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, do you not want that? I mean, I get that. Like, 
He says it doesn't matter anymore. Right. He says it doesn't matter anymore. But is there not a sense of like history or, I mean, do you just want to forget the past completely? Well, here's the thing. What is history if they're the last people on earth and the rest of the things on earth are rotting pieces of corpse? I mean, there, right. there's no point in history because no one will discover it. But we find out later on in Land of the Dead and Diary of the there Dead. There were other people alive. Yeah. yeah, there were other people alive. And there's even a city. You know? mm-hmm. Was it Dennis Hopper? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Pittsburgh again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, for me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I think all of the things that it's saying, all of the uh, positions and situations that all of the characters are put in are great. Mm-hmm. The kills are great. Um, but I think it's saying a lot about 1985, just like all of his films say so much more about you know the, the society at that time. In this film, we open in Florida uh, from a helicopter. In Florida, as I like to say, uh, a helicopter. The, the three that escape at the end are here, along with Miguel, her boyfriend, ill-fated Miguel, um, who they, they land in the closest town in 100 miles to see if they can find people, and no one's answering on radio. And it's a great opening scene where we see the detritus of society, what's left behind, piles of money blowing in the street. In the city with the alligator. An alligator that's like in a movie theater and um, a marching band student (laughs) with her hat on. What's up with the zombie at the end that's wearing, it's a clown, African-American guy, and he's wearing a like uh, fluffy um, kitchen, uh, what is it called? A frock, know. you know, what you put on to cook. Oh, I didn't notice that. You didn't notice that? I was like, why is he wearing that? You saw the clown, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I was looking at all of them going, oh, that's cool. I wonder what that one's name was. I love Sun Hat Zombie in the beginning who turns around like, I say, is that a person? And what, Doc Tongue? Mm-hmm. Dr. Tongue. Dr. Tongue, yeah. The opening title card uh, zombie whose tongue is just about to fall out of his, there's nothing left of the bottom jaw. Um, so I'm like, you're a zombie on a diet. You're not eating anything. Um, right. uh, I love the iconic shot of Rhodes at the end mm-hmm. when all of the zombies' hands and his, his head is in the circle of the hands. Just a great shot. Um, we should talk about the iconic zombie in the film. Bub. Bub. So Bub is a... Uh, Dr. Logan is taking all these... They have this mine full of specimens that they capture from above, and it's a very risky thing. Several people have died. There's graves up top, uh, and the guy who was in charge, ma- Major some somebody, just died at the beginning of the film when they come back from the town in Florida with the gator and find that there's no one there but zombies. So when they come back, they learn this guy died in the morning. Every time they get some sample specimens of these zombies... I imagine they're in a fenced-off place. I imagine they have to go, like, open the fence and pull some in. And, like, it's got to be a dangerous thing. There's a lot of zombies around the fence. Um, So they throw them in this mine in this elaborate kind of gate system with uh, leashes on long sticks and everything. And uh, I guess the guy who died was an asshole. And the new guy in charge is a a hundred times worse. So... um, these specimens of zombies are put into this mine until the Dr. Logan needs more and then the army people have to go risk their lives to get more and Bub is one of the ones who was gathered but he shows more promise than the rest. Yeah, and Logan is going for the uh, way of taming 
of the dead, whereas um, the lead character... You can train them, he says. Yes, and what's the uh, woman's name? And we don't know the characters of the good guys. Uh, anyway, know. she is doing the other thing. She's trying to re- figure out how to reverse it. Mm-hmm. So they're both on the scientific side of things, but they kind of don't agree with how they're going about it to begin with. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I have no idea. And Bub can uh, hit play on a, a, not a Walkman, but a, yeah, a tape deck. Yeah, I guess so, a tape deck with a headset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a Walkman yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he is looking at uh, a razor and cuts his face a little. A uh, book, which is a Stephen King book. It was Salem's, Salem's Lot. Lot. Ten years after it had been written. Well, who were BFFs? George Romero and Stephen King, of course. Absolutely. Um, so that was very sweet, I thought. And Bub is the best character in the entire thing. It's a performance. It's so Again, cool. it's a performance that Karloff could not have given it's it's a very was name howard sherman i think is the yes name. yes yeah. it is it's an incredible performance oh it's you forget that that is not a zombie right his reactions to and, everything and he doesn't go for logan once he grabs his arm but then he lets go mm-hmm. because he comes to love for frankenstein as uh, they call him uh-huh. so there's the 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 uh, analogy but it's it's kind of uh Logan is eventually killed and Bub finds the body. It's a little bit heartbreaking to see him recognize that he's dead and he's not coming back. And there's an anguished cry. Right. And, and you know, Rhodes finds out about all this and he's like, this is what we're, we've been waiting for. This is what we've been doing down here. Rhodes is the main army bad guy. That is the just new guy over. in charge. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, Bub salutes him. Joe, Joe Pilato, I think, is the actor's name. I think so. And mm-hmm. then Bub salutes him, and, and he refuses to give the salute back. And then the doctor gets in the way and puts the salute up, and it goes down. And that comes back later. Such a great... When when Rhodes gets his... his Yeah, when Rhodes dies and uh, Bub is there, he, he gives him a little salute. A little fun note. I know we're jumping a little, but we're not going to just do a, like a summary of this. We're just kind of bouncing all over. When Rhodes is eaten alive by zombies, ripped apart, ripped in half. Um, a funny thing about that, those guts that were animal guts, um, they were put in a refrigerator that somebody accidentally unplugged to plug something else in. Oh, no. And so they sat there for a day or so, and so when it was time, they they couldn't get more guts. I mean, it, it wasn't... A, so they had to use these rotten, stinking, awful... They actually put... Um, some kind of whatever they do in like morgue rooms under the nose like in sense of the lambs <laughs> under their but they were still all ill oh, from sure. the scent and people were retching and it was already oh. gross as it was but the line when he after he's ripped in half and zombies are carrying away his legs and start to eat where his you know balls would be he yells choke on him and that was an improv really yeah and that they loved it they were like oh that's that's perfect. Yeah. And his flunkies, man. I mean, at first you feel like it's over the top. Then as you go, they just are so committed to being that Rickles. way. Rickles. <laughs> the laugher. Yeah. Who the, laughs oh, as he's being teared apart. Teared apart. Laughs. Yeah. And he laughs and you hear his vocal cords getting Get, pulled yep, apart. Getting he goes, ah! yep. It's so disturbing. Yeah. And then his jaw keeps moving as his head's separated. Yep. And that's really, it, I mean. Isn't this the only one with machine guns? No, no. There's not machine guns. Not Dawn. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, the biker gang. The guy oh, at the end who falls right. off the that's bike. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. And they, I mean, it was the '80s. There had to be. I mean, I think Rambo Two came out two months before this. Mm-hmm. But this did not do well at the box office because John Russo went to court in a court battle against Romero uh, because they he John Russo wrote Night of Living Dead with Romero and with a bunch of them, but John Russo was the main writer. And when Romero made Dawn of the Dead, he left out Living. So Russo, as soon as Romero went to do Dawn, he didn't have just the same people back because Dario Argento got involved as a producer. So that upped the game and they were not dealing with, you know, the same local cast of characters. Romero was on the rise. And so the old folks uh, from Night felt really left out, pissed, whatever. So John Russo said, well, I'm going to write Return of the Living Dead and went to court with Romero about using the living dead and the court sided with John Russo. So John Russo wrote Return of the Living Dead, uh, which he then got let go from and Dan O'Bannon took over. But at any rate... The writer of Alien. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, Return of the Living Dead opens, if not the same weekend, one before or one after, and Return of the Living Dead was a huge smash um, because it was irreverent, funny... Silly. Yeah, I mean, much more of a quote '80s horror film. Uh, if you want to say an '80s horror film, yeah. this that is it. Yeah, Day of the Dead was set in the '80s. That's mm-hmm. that's the difference. You know what I mean? It wasn't saying we're in the '80s. It was it was just it, it was set in that time. Yeah, you could feel it. It's it's you know. Whereas Return of the Living Dead has a lot of more of the aesthetic of, of what an '80s yeah. horror film would be. The, the the punk kids. Absolutely. And all the rock and roll and yeah. the humor and the send more cops and all the stuff that I love about that movie. But it's it's not in the realm of Romero at all just because it says Living Dead. Um, so anyway, that movie sunk this movie at the box office. Grudges were set. I think they made up at some point, but it was kind of like a friendship ender for a lot of years. Would you say that you need to watch the dead movies in order? No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so either. I think you can just watch... All you have to know is that there is a thread line that, you know, everyone thinks zombies are just kind of like stupid, walk around and try to eat people. There is a thread, starting in Night of the Living Dead, where they start to pick up objects and use them as tools. They That's, start learning. They start thinking like, oh, I could beat this window instead of just like slap at it. It, it happens actually at the very beginning of the film. The first zombie uses a rock to break in the car window. So it's 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 already there from the beginning. In Dawn, we see it with the zombie who's like picking up guns and looking at the guns. Um, so there's, there's a thread of learning. And in this one, Bub completes that cycle of the first trilogy being like almost a articulate, um, without words, zombie who can... Who, after he shoots, first of all, shoots a gun mm-hmm. several times at Rhodes, and then shoots him one last time before he's ripped apart, and then salutes, salutes him. him. Yeah. After he said earlier, "I'm not going to salute that rotting pile of flesh." Yep. Um, but then it, it you know, I, I noticed that it took place on Halloween. Yes, the calendar says in the very first. And shot. then at the end of the movie, she's crossing off November fourth. So I'm thinking it's been a few days. So all, all everything that pretty much happened, three or four days. Yeah, yeah. And then she's and I think she's crossing off the calendar because she still is thinking about 
how am I going to get humanity back to what it's going to be? I don't think she ever gives up on her mission. She's like, God, I got to have babies with both of these guys. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Which is what the, the Jamaican, quote yeah. unquote, I'm doing air quotes, guy said, let's go on an island, have a lot of babies. And then you see them on an island, and I'm like, oh, girl, you went from head scientist to head incubator. This yeah. is not a good. But I, th- I don't think she's given up. I don't think she's given up. Well, she ain't doing any science on that island. Not for on sure. that island. Well, I think they're just taking a respite. They're having a vacay. Yeah, they're just having a little <laughs> bit of. We've been through a lot. We need. I would take a break. If you if you saw a beautiful beach and you could get there, maybe they ran out of gas. What would be really cool is if like one night they're on the beach and they saw like a ship sinking or something, and then they're like, "Oh no!" And then zombies start walking up on the shore. That would be amazing. Um, there is PS. I'm not excited that this is going to happen because I don't think it really is. There was in development something called Night of the Living Dead 2, which was an unauthorized film. But these three characters who escaped Day of the Dead appear in Night of the Living Dead 2. And there's actually a, a photo of a scene from the movie. But the last update that's on the website is from 2021. So I'm thinking, I don't know. Yeah. And they did remake this movie, Day of the Dead, with Nina Savari. Yeah, I've not seen it. I refuse. Like, what's the point? I don't want to. I mean, I understand IP and all that shit. There are what? So the Night of the Living Dead remake in the 1990. um, But didn't Romero write that? He was, I think, executive producer. Savini directed. Yeah, but I think um, he wrote it. Yeah. It's a... it's all right. I think it, it it's has okay. fun moments. And it's got a stronger female. Stronger female. But there's dialogue in there that's like, you bunch of lame brains! You know, that's like, oh, that's not good. Um, and the remake of Dawn has one of the best opening sequences on a horror film. I still don't... I, I feel like they just wanted to do Danny Boyle's like running zombies. Well, which is funny because Danny Boyle stole from Day of the Dead. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, um, but, and then this day, I, I, I just, I've never seen the Day of the Dead remake. I never plan on it. I don't care. Um, yeah, and you know, if you're listening to this, you're a Day of the Dead fan already. You're probably. a sicko, like yeah. Romero said. Yeah. Um, so definitely check this out. Not with the kids. Do you think that, like, even if you're, like, a walk, because I don't think, <laughs> I don't mean to offend anyone, but I don't think people who watch The Walking Dead are necessarily. In the Romero, like, it, school. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Especially younger people. And maybe through it, they got into Romero, you would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like uh, he was kind of lost along the way, Romero, in a way. He never really got the the fame or the fortune that I think that he really deserved. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't want to say fortune, because money's not everything, folks. No, he was a journeyman his whole life. He was an auteur, but like he lived like a journeyman, trying to get films made. I mean, if you look at like a John Waters, he's faced a similar journey in like basement films to mainstream. Also from Pennsylvania? No, Baltimore. Well, oh, oh, right, B. Moore. Who is another one of my favorite auteurs. He hasn't had a film made in like 20 years about. And I think that, yeah, he's just had one greenlit for the first time in 20 some years. And it's a studio film again. And like, but like he just got a, a star on the... The Walk of Fame, I know that that's paid for by somebody, and it's... It's, it's the fans, usually. It, it's like Outfest of Provincetown yeah. paid for it. Well, I gotta tell you this. I mean, I grew up in the 80s, mm-hmm. pretty much, um, and Crybaby came out. Yeah. Um, me and my mom and my sister left. We walked out. Really? We walked out. But I haven't seen that movie since, since then. 
Oh, it's so ridiculously fun. Right, and now like I appreciate some of Waters' films, so I feel like I, I think, should go back oh, and visit I think it. we should watch that together. Yeah, Crybaby. It's a lot of fun. Dead, anyway, yeah. Dawn yeah. of the Dead, or Day... Dead, oh, God, oh, God. Dead of... Day. Dead of the Day. Day of the Dead. Dead of the Dead. Watch it, guys. It's a, it's a great film. 85, can't get any better than that. And we... This will be the seventh of the episodes released so far. So one week of 31 Days of Horror is down. It's just flown by for me. Oh, God. we got so many more to do. And I've watched, like, other movies between watching these. Yeah, Yeah, it's so crazy. I think we're going to look into doing some pre-code horror next. I think that might be a fun thing. We already did one this past week with The Old Dark House, but I think we're going to look. Criterion Channel has some fun stuff. We're going to look into that. 13 Um, films on uh, pre-code. Uh, Doctor X is a possibility. Uh, what were the thirteen, 13 women, women? Which sounds murder bad at the zoo. crazy murder at the zoo. Yeah. Uh, but we also have uh, our second episode with the three of us uh, pre-recorded that we will drop this coming week too with Doctor Sleep. So good stuff to come. Doctor Sleep, the director's cut. That's right. It was three hours. Much more Rose the Hat. Yes. Yes. All right. Till tomorrow. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to our Spooky Season Extra episodes. Um, I'm going to give as many of these to you as I can fit in my day. As you can imagine, uh, October through December gets super busy for Connor and Smith here at the Connor and Smith headquarters with all of our shows being done every year between (laughs) October and December. But if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. You can find us on social media. We have a YouTube page. Are you subscribed? Click on it. It is Connor and Smith. I know that there's like a country musician, Connor Smith, but Connor and Smith musicals usually finds us. You can find us on Instagram. Please sign up for our Instagram. Um, I'm on Twitter. And Connor and Smith are on Facebook, but again, look for the ER, not the OR. Um, you can become a Patreon supporter of Connor and Smith. Um, that gets you lots of behind-the-scenes special access videos uh, of our concerts, different things. You get a, a live video update. Well, it's not live, it's taped. Video update once a month. Um, uh, you get the newsletter every month. You get little, like, magnets and fun stuff like that. So check that out. Become a Patreon supporter. We really appreciate you, all of you who do. Um, That's all for now. Uh, We'll catch you on the next Spooky Season Extra episode. Bye-bye.